Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dillon. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 173. So, Parker, you've been uh, you've been working on your shitty add-on, right? Yeah, so last year we made a MEP shitty add-on, which was like the the MEP, the MacFab Engineering Podcast logo, which was like the MacFab logo with wearing The headphones. hamburger, right? Yeah, the hamburger and, and hot dogs. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, and it had a bunch of LEDs that lit up and stuff. And we used a EFM eight, if I recall, to to run all the LEDs. And so, about how long ago was it? Like six months ago. What that, that you we came up with the idea for this shitty add-on? Oh, for this one, actually, so let's let's take a step back. It's probably worth men- uh, like explaining what a shitty add-on is. Yes. So a shitty add-on is. A PCB that goes onto one of these conference badges, like at DEF CON. And so it's got a bunch of circuits on it. And usually they are just like pop culture PCBs with just two LEDs on it. Right. And so like, uh, and and they just light up. Well, I mean, we're engineers. We can do better than that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It just might take six months. (laughs) Yeah, it just might take six months to just start it. Right. <laughs> well, but you started it and got really damn far on it. Yes. Um, so about six months ago, Steve and I were coming up with some, like, stupid ideas uh, while playing a video game. And a little too much beer was involved. A little, sure. Um, <laughs> and so we were like, oh, it'd be really cool to have a Doom shitty add-on. And so we went down this whole rabbit hole of like what it could be and what it could do and I actually really liked this one idea that you had which was like make a Doom guy like face badge. Yeah, like Doom the video game from or the computer game from uh what early nineties. What, ninety two? Yeah, so like in the game like as you're walking around the first person shooter at the bottom where there was Doom Guy's face. And that was sort of like your indicator of your health was how how like, bloody his face yeah, was. Yeah, how beat up he was. <laughs> But, like, it's just this guy's face that, like, looks around left and right and smirks every once in a while. Yeah. And so we had this idea for, like, a big badge that would be his face. And then, like, the eyeballs could move and stuff like that. So you could see his facial expressions that way. Yeah. And we never really got around to doing that big badge. But I'm like, I took that idea and made a shitty add-on version by using a little tiny screen. And to drive all this, because there's a lot of, like, like driving a screen you can't just do with, like, you know, just you can't just power the screen and expect Doom Guy to show up, right? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit more to it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I've already been using the ATSAMD21G18 microcontroller for the Pinotaur. And so I kind of had to, like, pause work on the Pinotaur and get this working. So that I can get it done for DEF CON. <laughs> DEF CON's in August? In August, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's going up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and so I took the microcontroller, and I took that breakout board I made, and then I bought a, a couple different screen modules that are spy. You drive them with a spy, the spy bus. Mm-hmm. And the one I really liked was the ST7789 LCD. This one... There's like that's like the controller that's on it, mm-hmm. uh, but usually seven seven eight nine LCDs have higher pixel density and they're brighter and they're more vibrant than most of these other like low cost LCD modules. Uh, so this one in particular is one point three inches in di in diangle, and it's is it diangle? Uh, I think I've heard that before, but I don't know if that applies if on the diagonal. Correct. Right. Yeah, on a diangle. I think that's what it is. <laughs> We're um, both saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it's 240 by 240 pixels in resolution, and it's spy addressable. And so I got that all hooked up, and there's plenty of people out there that have already gotten, like, code to make that communication work. Yeah. And so it's using the, the hardware spy on the ATCMD and the DMA to just, like, shove all those bits out. Oh, okay, so you're just writing to a, a buffer in your memory, and then it takes care of it? Exactly. It's even simpler. You're just calling a command. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's 
fast that Sam D is fast enough to where you don't get any observable screen tearing. Right. Because I've written my pixel driver because Doom Guy's face is actually way smaller than 240 by 240. And so to save uh, program space, because all his faces are in in the, in program memory, um, I actually save them as like 30 by 30 arrays. And then and you then, just like double call pixels? It doesn't double call pixels. I actually take um, I take one location and then I draw that as a rectangle on the screen. Ah, or it's a square. I guess you, you, you there's no square function though. You call it a rectangle function. Sure. Um, and so it just basically just draws thirty um, a thirty by thirty matrix of squares on on the screen, and it seems to be plenty fast enough, and that doesn't take up a lot of program space um, to, to implement. And so I got that working, and I'm like, okay. So I've got Spy working, and I'm only using, like, 6% of my program space. So I've got all this space in the world to, to add more features, right? Feature creeping. Um, and so the interface with the microcontroller from the outside world, like, it, it, the, the SAMDs, they support USB out of the box. And so I put a USB Type-C on it. And so what I'm going to do is you'll be able to actually sniff the I2C bus on badges with this. Hmm. That's going to be the idea. So you plug Doom Guy into your into your shitty add-on header on your badge, and then you connect USB up to your computer, and you get a COM port, and it just spits out the um, I2C data. Got so it. So it'd be useful for hacking. It's like a hardware hacking shitty add-on kind of thing. You know, it, w- it would be really funny if you use Doom Guy's face as like a uh, like a line break uh, indicator, where like if you're looking for a certain packet to fly by, then like if his face does like a certain animation, you know that that packet came through. Yeah, you could totally <laughs> do that with this. Yeah. Um, the um, and I started looking into more like uh, reference designs for shitty add-ons and stuff, and there's a a EEPROM shitty add-on reference design. So if you make a fancy shitty add-on that you want like someone to be able to control, like how do you tell the the badge what shitty add-ons plugged in? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Is there like a protocol that someone's created for that? Yeah, there's a couple different ones out there. The the one I'm using is the Anon XOR one. Um, basically you can simulate a if you have an EEPROM on it, you can Say like, hey, you know, address zero is like your um, address zero is like the the DefCon year, and then address one is your ID as a maker, and then the second address is like the shitty add-on type, and then you just put data after that. And so I'm going to simulate an I square that I square C um, EEPROM with this microcontroller, and that way you can actually like you can dump data the microcontroller can dump data into that eprom and if someone wants to do something with it they can do something with it hmm cool and so isn't the uh, I, I i thought i saw something not that long ago like the shitty add-on is getting an upgrade where it was four pins and now isn't it going to a six pin connector it's six pins and the only difference is they just added those two new pins are gpio oh okay and so most badges are just like alternating those high for like half a second right. so you can run leds to your shitty add-on and the shit and those leds alternate oh that's what most people are using them for got it okay. now i have those gpio hooked up to my microcontroller so we could do some funky things with that oh dun, dun, dun. and i always th- i thought it might be interesting to like maybe if you 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 had your serial port open and you can type in God mode, and, oh, and then his eyes go God yellow. <laughs> so his, his eyes go yellow, right? And the Doom SAO turns into an I square C master, and then ah. you could do you could send commands on the I square C bus. Now I don't know what would actually happen to most badges if you decide to put two I square C masters on the same bus, but hey, that's not my problem. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I like that. That's great. That's a good way of handling a situation you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Not my problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> not my... <laughs> That's cool. Um, 
I, I suppose. Wait, wait. But if you have two high school seed masters, wouldn't it just yank everything to ground? You went super robot there. Oh yeah, like that's that's Motu magic. I should record this. I, you're unintelligible. And we were talking about the Doom shitty add-on. And, oh yeah. So, the design is almost complete. I got the, uh, like the tech demo, I guess, working on my desk. Um, it's actually running right now. I can show you the, over the webcam. Nice. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post a video for everyone to look at. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably already seen it. Uh, and I got most of the hardware routed. And so I'm going to probably order the prototypes, hopefully tonight after the podcast. That's that's the goal. Awesome. How many are uh, you getting? So for prototypes, I'm going to get um, probably about two or three. And then we have a production run scheduled for it. Um, and it's more than two or three. <laughs> I don't know the exact number yet. <laughs> nice. So more than 50 probably. But less than ten thousand. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then I got an update on those smart LEDs I've been testing. Those are the um, APA one hundred fours that have a higher temperature reflow rating. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got the reels in, and I've designed some Arduino shield boards just to run through the fab and just see if they work right. Yeah. Um, so I put the LEDs into inventory and press go on the Arduino shield board. So hopefully in about two weeks, I get them back and I can just pop into an Arduino and run some code I found off the internet and it just works, right? Yeah, that's exactly how it's totally works. all every time, works. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, but actually that's sort of how it worked with the Doom add-on, right? Yes, it actually did work. Yeah, well, it took a little bit more hunting around, finding the right library, because I wanted one that was fast, it used the DMA, it all, all that good stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Did you um, uh, Just out of curiosity, did you scrounge it off of someone's GitHub somewhere? Uh, Adafruit's GitHub. Really? Nice. They actually just recently updated their graphics library for these LCD modules to use, like, the DMA. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, it's pretty quick. And yeah, so I'm yeah. Pretty happy with it. I, some of the first images I I saw of it, there was a little bit of screen tearing, and then you did some upgrades, and it's just all gone. Yeah, there's a little bit of screen tearing, especially when like Doom guy moves his face a lot. Sure, but it it look it's acceptable. You won't you don't really notice it. I um, I say I didn't see any uh, from the stuff you posted on Twitter. It was just like okay, yeah, looks great. Yeah. Um, and I'll, on that, though, I'm going to write a tool. Or hopefully, I can have time to write a tool, I should say. No no promises, right? Um, six months so, from so, now, you'll write a tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, six months after DEF CON. You're right, right. Yeah. So you can take a, a GIF. It's GIF, people, not GIF. Um, you can take a GIF, and it'll automatically like, resize it and crop it. And build out the correct memory structure that you can just paste in the code and that way you can put your own things on it. You can make your own Doom Guy. Yeah. So Doom Guy is not really a GIF. He's just like a series of PNGs. Yeah. Sure. But in the code, he's just a big, you know, C data structure. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing special about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, the, that add-on had one thing to do. Yes. Now so. it's in Feature creep mode. <laughs> hey, at least he got the major function down. Yeah, you know? I, well, yeah. I didn't expect basically in one weekend to get the main functionality of it working right away. I expected like to bang my head on it for like three or four weekends. Oh well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so 
there is a Pinotaur update though. The software side is going really well. All the low level stuff is um, getting where it needs to go. Um, the great thing about these SAMD chips is there's a lot of spy like buses. They call them like SIRCOMs. There's like six of them in the SAMD 21. Yeah, so you can make those be like I square C or Spy or there's some other kind of uh, UART. I think you can make them UART as well. Um, and so we have a couple of those with DMA running. So like running out the serial lights and then doing the uh, serial switches and stuff like that. That's all working really well. And we've got a hardware plan for it that I, I've been designing all the parts for it. And kind of have we have a really interesting way of mounting the board now. Can't say too much about it yet, but once we get closer, like once we actually get a physical board made and start showing it off, I'll talk more about how it's being mounted. It's very interesting, and um, I like how your try. mounting technique is secret. Yeah, well, it's something that no one's really tried yet, and we're like, well, <laughs> it could suck. We're hot gluing <laughs> it to a giant piece of metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how we're doing it. <laughs> so. What, double-sided tape? Am I getting closer? No, no, farther away. Oh, okay. Yep. Chewing gum. Chew, chewing gum, that's <laughs> that's how it, tar. You, but you, you have to use bubblicious, because if you use something else, we void the warranty. Oh, got it, yeah, sure. No, I'm completely serious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, but uh, you used to use PEM studs, like the uh, the clip-in PEM studs. You're not going yes. that route? No, not at all. We uh, Those end up being pain in the butt. G well, yeah, pain in the butt as in like you didn't want to deal with a machine shop, right? Yeah, and they, they're they really good. If that's like the only time you need to like put the board into whatever it is, they're perfect for that. Trying to remove PCBs from PEM studs is like you you just flex the board so much. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of most of those pen studs are there for one-time insertions. Yeah. Yeah. But they so it's I mean, not they, really good yeah. if you have to do rework or anything like that. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. I have yeah. I've used them before on some designs at where once the board was in, I was never going to take it out and it's just it's awesome. It's just click and it's there. Yes, it's great for assembly. It's terrible for disassembly <laughs> you know that's that's something that i feel a lot of uh, a lot of companies neglect to think about uh, and maybe that's pompous to say that but but uh like they they a lot of products are not designed to be fixed and that's just a pain in the a pain in the ass you know it's not yeah. it's not fun i dealt a lot with that with audio gear when I was doing repair work and I, we've talked about that before, but like there are specific companies that if I saw their product come in the door of my shop, I was like, Oh God, no. Cause it's, uh, cause I knew it's like, like go to Gartar center and just buy a new one. It, well, I, th yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many times I told people I was like, you paid $150 for this thing new. It's going to be $50 for me to just open it up to look at what the problem is, you know, because mm -hmm. Because of how long it would take, especially with the keyboards and crap like that, you know? Uh, so, yeah. But PEM studs. Yeah. Yay. Um, there's probably some PEM studs that are good for taking stuff apart, but, you know, we're, we're going to go with, like, kind of a bracket design that's screwed together. I, I thought you weren't going to share the secret. Well, we're not telling you where exactly it's being mounted. So, that's the secret. Behind the screen, up in the in the head top part no of no that is actually a really good idea though <laughs> okay. no, no you, know, you actually don't realize boards. you actually don't realize how good of an idea that was because we came up with that idea and oh we about it's a good idea way. because you came up with it right um well because these screens already have a metal piece that's got to get machined yeah well not machined and it's on a cnc but they get pressed and they have studs on the back already for mounting pcbs on it and so oh. we actually thought at one point, hey, let's just mount it there because then that way we already have we don't have to make another metal plate. It's already got a metal plate and shortens wires and stuff. But we came up with an even better idea that we're going to try, and we're surprised no one's really tried it before. But wait, wait, eh, can I take we'll a see. guess? Sure. I, okay, 
there's two places in mind, but I'm only going to call out one. Okay. Is it on the back of the swinging coin door that, that opens up? No. Ah, okay. No, it's not. Because, like, you could swing it open and have access to the board right there. Yeah, it's a good idea, but <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on the back of that coin door. Okay. The the last time I dealt with one of those coin doors was on a... Um, uh, I had a Street Fighter stand-up arcade, and uh, there was not a lot of stuff on the back of that. Yeah. the If you actually have coin mechs, there's actually quite little room for, like, if you had something else hanging off the back for it to swing open. Do, do most manufacturers buy those as, like, a, a single unit and they just slap it in? I think they all come from, like, one place or two places. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it, I guess those things, you just apply power to them, and then there's another cable that says coin was inserted and goes to your board? Correct. That's okay. usually how that works. That's, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because with, uh, with the Street Fighter one I had, there was a spring that was inside the coin door, and I would just open the coin door and just slap the spring with my finger, and it would just add coins. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. totally how it works. Nice. And uh, the Street Fighter stand-up I had was a Miss Pac-Man, and it was a just and somebody at one point in time just reskinned the entire thing. And, I, you know, they, they sold those games as just boards so they just put it they Mm -hmm. put street fighter in it reskinned it but if you open the back door it still had like all the instructions for miss pac-man in there yeah that was actually more common than you would think um and actually in the pinball world that happened as well uh not as frequently as arcade machines but um they would sell them as like upgrade kits um the one of the pinball machines i have is a congo from the hit movie in 94 right (laughs) <laughs> was that 94 <laughs> yeah oh wow okay it's by the same person that did uh wrote um jurassic park and, and that was 91 do you mean the, the book they were like the movie the books M- michael Crichton, i think is yeah. his name that sounded yep. right yeah he wrote congo as well oh okay i'm gonna look that up just in case but i'm pretty certain that i am Correct. I don't think it's 94. I thought it was later than that. Yeah, Michael Crichton w- wrote Congo, and Congo movie, I think it's 94. Okay. Yeah, I remember 95. Your, 95. 95. Wow, okay. okay. So I remember that, that y- your your game has, like, uh, all of the, uh, like, the uh, sound clips from the, from the movie. movie like, it, like, yeah. yells at you the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when, when Congo came out, they thought it was going to be the next greatest thing ever because like Jurassic Park made a crap load of money and uh, Congo not so much <laughs> yeah well for obvious reasons yeah Amy hungry <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually really like that movie and I, I actually like the pinball machine they uh, Williams Williams and Bally was the company who made that Congo machine and they they didn't make that many, um, and they also because like it's just the movie was a flop, and so they didn't sell that many Congo pinball machines, and so what they did is they're like, well, you know, it runs the same board set as these other machines that they're coming out at the same time, and so if you buy basically an upgrade kit, you can you basically buy a playfield and new graphics and new ROM chips. And you just you know swap the ROM chips out, put new graphics on your machine, and slap this new boards, uh, big playfield in, then uh, you can have like a Attack from Mars, and which was a lot more popular of a game. Huh. And so a lot of Congos met their fate as turning into other machines. And so actually Congos, because they only made like a thousand four hundred or something like that of Congos, which is not a lot. Like at the time they were making like ten thousand of something, and that's when they made a thousand four hundred or whatever. Hmm. And then probably like half of them got converted to other machines. And so actually Congo is a really rare pinball machine that, like, when I got it, I got it for free because no one wanted it. <laughs> but now like people want this machine. It, it, how much would one of those go for? Right now, I, know I think. Reference. Um, I think one in really good shape right now is about four to five grand. Last wow. I checked. Okay. And it used to be free, like you couldn't give them away. <laughs> what the? So just out of curiosity, what's like the most complex pinball machine game out there? It depends. 
if you just want like one that's sold ever, there is a game by Jersey Jack Pinball called. Um, it's their. Um, what is it's the? Why can't I remember the name of that movie? It's a really, really um, popular movie. And and I guess by complexity, I mean, uh, if you look at most pinball games, they're they're just like lights everywhere and all kinds of ramps and mechs and all kinds of stuff that just confuse you most of the time. Yeah. Okay, so I'm talking about like if you opened up the playfield, you would like blow your mind. Um, oh, okay. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. And it's because there is so much stuff on top of the playfield, and then underneath there is so much me- like mechs. It's it. crazy to look at. They just went and it's a wide body, so it, it. it's even wider than a normal machine. Huh. Okay. It, it, that machine, I feel bad for people who have to move that thing around. <laughs> what? It's probably heavy. Oh, I mean, oh, they're all heavy, heavy, right? They're all heavy, but this is a that is a very heavy pinball machine. Oh yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it. That's crazy. Um. Yeah, that's a the me- the mechanicals on that machine are very impressive. Like I've actually, there's some mechs on there. I've never like when I played it, I've never even gotten to act like actuate because I've never gotten that far in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like people just uh, going crazy. Just designers given like free reign to just put all kinds of crap in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. That's that. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that some classic games that have a lot of stuff in it. Um, like oh what is it there's a it's fun an old Gottlieb game that this comes to mind for some reason Gottlieb's um Waterworld from the hit movie Waterworld right and they didn't (laughs) make it seems like the pinball world picks really bad movies no they just they make all the movies that's the thing um and that machine there's not a lot of them out there I don't know if they ever made a production or how many are out there but it's got a really cool mech for the, um, like for a boat, I guess. Okay. That like rotates and stuff. That's a really cool mech, and I've never seen underneath it, but I guess it's going to be pretty crazy. Um, an infamous, infamous mech in pinball world is off the um, Dalek, or is it the time? No, time expander. The time expander from the Doctor Who machine. Because it's got like it's a mechanical device that's got like a big motor with a screw, so the whole mm-hmm. thing like is a screw drive. So it's got a lot of force. Yeah. Right. And so, but it's got like switches to like check where the level's at. Because it's not a stepper; it's just a DC motor. And so, if one switch fails, like the whole thing messes up. <laughs> and great. and they have like a safety switch. Like it's the only pinball machine I've seen that you can't play with the glass off. Because it's got a safety switch that disables the mech. So, like, you <laughs> can't get your finger stuck in it because it would, like, crush your finger. It would finger. just rip it apart. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oh, sorry, I'm back to that Waterworld one. I think it's funny because I'm looking pictures at it right now. And it's clearly from the movie. But everything about the play field, everything about the mechs and everything is... It looks like a comic book, and it's just, like, all hand-drawn. The only thing that's movie is the backdrop that has Kevin Costner's face and yes. and that other weird dude who smokes on the ship all the time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's actually it's like a they lot. Only got, they only got, like, part of the, the license to use stuff from the movie. Um, it's actually a really good pinball machine. Uh, it was at Texas Pinball Fest uh, a couple years ago, and I played the hell out of it. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I think it was it was one of Gottlieb's last hurrahs before they they went out of business. Um, so it's a fun machine to play. When are you going to release a pinball machine? Um, after the Pinotar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometime in the sometime in the future, right? Sometime in the future. Do you ever oh, know about this machine October I designed? Fest game? great ah uh, don't get me started on that machine oh is it is it crappy uh no comments <laughs> oh did they uh, did they steal your uh, your board or something no no okay no comment on that machine okay <laughs> mainly because i haven't played it so ah, okay you want to give it a fair chance yeah 
Yeah. Um, did you know about the pinball machine I designed back in college? The uh, reset vector. Reset vector. Yeah. Well, I okay. Mean, so you know. I, about I that. saw it in your garage when we were brewing beer. Yeah. Well, I saw like a wooden frame. Yeah. Did it, it actually play? Point. It's okay, in a dumpster so somewhere. Oh, you threw it away. Uh yeah. Mainly because it was just old, and I've learned so much about pinball design since then. So. I mean, it it looked cool. It looked. For lack of better words, it looked retro. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Maybe someday I'll go back to it, but the Pinotaur takes uh, precedence first. I'm <laughs> better at building hardware to for other people to build machines than building my own. Sure. Yeah. Um, is there a uh, Evil Dead pinball machine? Uh, no, there is not. Huh. Well, that sounds like there needs to be one. Yeah. Me All right, too. let's I move on. Same thing. Let's, let's, uh... <laughs> okay, so um, this last week, I started looking back into more on the macro app and kind of what I want to do with a V2 of this. So I've got the macro app working like I discussed last week and um, nothing particularly wrong with it, but I just want to make some updates and see if I can make things better. So Parker and I were kind of toying around with the idea of like, what if we made it a four-layer board and did internal trace routing and, and played around with that? And one of the things I've never done before is um, a surface mount technology with this kind of high voltage. So I think this is a great little project to get into that. Um, and mainly one of the things I was looking at this, this last week was um, how I want to handle all the high voltage with surface mount, but also... Um, uh, using fewer new tubes, although mm -hmm. all said and done, I think I'm going to stick to the general structure that I already have. Architecture? Um, I, so I, I designed this original one with all this extra capabilities to, to do direct plug-in from a moving magnet cartridge or a, what is it called? There's moving magnet and there's, I can't remember the other one now. Uh, whatever. capacitive, I think, right? Yeah, directly from a from a, um, a record player head. Uh, so we're talking about like micro volts worth of voltage and and stuff. You know, I, and I looked into it a little bit more, and I don't want to get that wanky with it. And mm -hmm. like a modern, most modern uh, record players are going to have their own preamp in it and spit out line voltage anyway. So I think in V two, I'm just going to strip it down and make it more simple, where it just has an input. It'll have control it'll have vol uh, volume control but just just do light input um the, mm -hmm. adding all the moving magnet preamp stuff is great and the raa filtering is cool and all but i did that and i don't want to do it anymore so um yeah i'm gonna gonna redo that whole circuit and um redo the layout and keep it with uh two new tubes and just kind of fine tune the gain on everything until it's all good on there you're decreeping um, it Actually, yeah, this is probably the first project where I am decreeping that. Uh, well, so I'm I'm doing what what happens when you remove something and then replace it? Is that a side creep, a lateral creep? I like side creeping. Side creep. <laughs> so I am going to side creep on this. Uh, so actually, last weekend, uh, so I'm helping a buddy design a guitar amp uh, right now, and um, we decided. So we're sort of doing a, a traditional kind of design, um, but adding a whole bunch of unique twists to it. So one of the reference designs that we're kind of building off of uses a, I think it's a five Henry choke that comes uh, right off the power supply. So the main rectifier comes in, uh, you rectify that to high voltage, and then it goes through a choke to a capacitor on the other side of the choke, and you make a tank circuit, basically, that just has really great uh, ripple reduction. The thing that sucks about it is you have to find place on your chassis to put a giant inductor. Uh, they're not cheap, and they're sort of just a pain in the butt to, to find. So I decided let's go and make a, a solid-state variance of the of that choke and so we decided to go with a gyrator circuit and if if you haven't played with a gyrator circuit they're actually pretty legit it's a simulated inductor uh so if you 
you know, there's a, there's a ton of different ways of actually implementing this, but by using a voltage divider, a capacitor, and uh, some kind of pass device like a MOSFET or something, you can actually simulate an inductor. And by combining the, the correct impedances in there, you can actually pick, you can basically make your own inductor that has both the same resistance and has basically whatever inductance you want. So we created a simulated inductor that has about 90 ohms of resistance, which is pretty similar to the 5 Henry choke that we were doing, but we upped the inductance to 47 Henrys. Uh, so you get tons of ripple reduction. You don't have to buy a giant choke. The only thing you have to really deal with is the fact that you're passing now all of your power supply through a pass device. So you have to deal with the heat, but we have it in such a configuration that it's actually not delivering a ton of current. So check out a gyrator. They're pretty legit. And I think in the new macro amp, I'm going to do a gyrator this time around as a surface mount thing, because I have a giant choke that's inside the, the chassis right now. And it's just, I don't need it. It's just, I did it because I did it. And yeah, no, I'm going to replace it with a gyrator. That, that's the whole kind of point with the second um, Mac ramp. So uh, hopefully soon. So I'm, I'm ordering the PCBs for my buddy's amp hopefully this week. And uh, so we'll be able to test out that gyrator, uh, which I think the input to that gyrator, we're doing about 430 volts and we're going to pass maybe 50 to 100 milliamps through it. So I think um, we're going to actually take that pass transistor and just bolt it to the chassis with a um, like a, a mica spacer on there, which I think is plenty enough to actually deal with the heat on that. We uh, so kind of interesting. This is so a what does that would be? That's 40 watts. Uh, 40 watts, like worst case scenario. OK, in. yeah. Um, but, but actually, the paint off the well, chassis. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, but the thing is the gyrator, the gyrator only drops a few volts. So, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, it's not 40 watts. It would be 40 watts if you shorted everything out yeah, on the yeah. other side. Okay. Okay. That makes way more sense now. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to think, I'm like, man, 40 watts is still like, you know, Oh, that's a, a that's a shitload of heat. Yeah. No, 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 no. Most of the time you're going to be dropping somewhere in the range of like eight to 10 volts across this gyrator. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you, like you can you can get away. So with one it. watt max. So so the bad. thing actually one of the things that kind of sucks about excuse me doing a simulated inductor like this is you're usually actually going to drop more voltage than an uh, an inductor will. But the cool thing about it is you won't get uh, you don't get a lot of the uh, what's it called um, oscillation that you, the potential for oscillation because a simulated inductor is not actually storing any energy as a magnetic field, whereas a real choke actually is storing energy. So the gyrator does the same job as an inductor because it, it, what it actually does is it takes the capacitor that's in the circuit and it flips the impedance of it. So you flip the impedance of a capacitor and you get an inductor. Uh, so it's doing that, but it's only doing that because of its amplification, not because of, actually storing in your energy so if you've ever turned on a circuit that has a big choke in it or turned it off suddenly a lot of times you can actually hear the choke it'll go pow like that because it's just oscillating with the tank capacitors that are around it and maybe maybe that's an indicator of a poorly chosen choke but still it's i don't know this is a cool little circuit and yeah you know you don't see this very often um probably because it's kind of expensive and people don't use chokes much anymore but it's still kind of a cool little like side thing you know you spend thirty dollars on a choke or uh two or three dollars on a gyrator you know you pick or choose mm -hmm. uh, so yeah i want to i want to implement all of those things in the in the new mac ramp so that's that's the lateral creep going on there or the side creep i'm sorry the side creeping man yeah so uh and then you know last week we were talking about uh that fredman clip that i purchased that 3d printed uh, microphone clip and um, so over the weekend I, I decided to actually give it a try and um, really do some stuff so I just made some really crappy uh, recording so you can hear me play some goofy metal licks 
on my guitar. And here is a test recording that I did with using two microphones and the Fredman clip. So yeah, that was uh, yeah, that, that sounded was pretty me good. Doing some guitar stuff, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. So so I can't remember exactly. So I will instead of using two SM57s, I had a spare SM58 lying around. I don't have two 57s, and I didn't want to go oh, spend. Oh, who can tell? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I didn't want to go spend another hundred bucks just to try out this Fredman clip. Uh, so I had a. I don't even know where I got this mic. I seriously like I moved up here and a, a microphone just spawned somewhere so okay yeah the, i mean the good thing is the sm58 when two microphones really problem. love each other <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> uh so the funny thing is this my sm58 doesn't actually have its xlr connector on the back so i don't even know where i got this sm58 but it just oh, has so there two must have wires been, hanging out the back so the two microphones that loved each other must have been from alabama oh geez <laughs> We're not going there. We're not touching that. <laughs> so uh, I thought, you know, I thought it was going to induce a whole ton of extra noise to just alligator clip, you know, raw microphone wires in. And it didn't. So, cool. hey, we recorded a lot of podcasts over alligator clips. We also recorded podcasts with socks over microphone, like le- legitimate socks that were just yes, on the we've ground. We've done that. We have done that. <laughs> I think my favorite was when we recorded your audio with that ribbon mic. Yeah, that was great. With the transformer taped to the mic boom. Yeah, but hey, the mic had magnets, so we just stuck it to the boom, and it and it totally worked. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I found that mic the other day. It was actually at work because I was showing it to people. <laughs> and and we are still due sometime to make a second copy of that. So yes. That, that will happen. Cool. So... Those are some things I did. Yeah. So on to the RFO. Oh, I still need to get you the clip I printed for you. Though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Parker the, printed. The Fredman clip I printed um, for you. You know, so you I got should, a whole you, stack of stuff I need to send up to you. You should you should send me, yeah. You should send me that uh, that uh, clip, and then I'll do another recording, and we won't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> no. I just want to see if it works as well. Like, it actually holds the mics just as well. Yeah, you know, and and I know I was complaining last week about the 3D printed stuff. I left it. I left the clip on the mic. So the the clip has been holding the mics for days now and you know, it's it's fine. Everything is okay, so world hasn't burned down yet. No. I I'm still <laughs> I'm still a little miffed that it's 3D printed, but it's all good. And 30 years, you're on your deathbed. Or in 60 years, I don't know how old you are. And your <laughs> your son comes up and is like, were there any regrets that you had, Papa, uh, Stephen? And he goes, 3D printed Fredman clips. <laughs> <laughs> I bought too much 3D printed crap. <laughs> I only bought one 3D printed crap. Yeah. And it worked. So it worked. maybe I shouldn't complain. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Well, actually, our... well, well, actually, one one thing about that, I I guess the part that that did make me a little upset is is after we did the podcast, Parker spent two seconds and found a three D printed a three D printable model and printed it in like a few hours or whatever after the podcast, and I was like, oh, I should have just if I just looked, I would have asked Parker to just print me one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, I think I started to print that. Oh, like 10 o'clock at night, and then by the next morning, my printer was done. Right, yeah. So Faster oh, well. than shipping, right? If I, Yeah, if I need another one, I'll... You I just need to, can. like, invest in a, you know, $600 for a printer, spend a couple months tuning it, and then... Uh, you can I watched you, you tune that, that thing. Not only did you spend a couple months, like, you... How many different cooling shrouds did you print for that thing it was at four least or five like five yeah, yeah yeah for sure and well, it was you, just you like, keep printing more elaborate ones that let you print more elaborate things 
thus more <laughs> elaborate cooling shrouds. You know, that's okay. So that that's the biggest thing, and and you've mentioned this multiple times. Is like you get a three D printer, it's not an it's not an inkjet printer. Like you can't just like get it and then press go. Like it will uh, yeah. not do that. You are correct. I've I put a lot of effort in making my printer like that though. Like right now, it's it's set up to the point where I just log into Cura, the uh, 3D slicer program I use, and I seriously just hit print. The printer automatically turns on on the network and prints. Don't have to do anything else. Right, right. But how many but, hours did you put into making that happen? Uh, as I said, a couple couple months of random afternoons doing it because it's it's mainly upgrades like putting in a auto z so you don't have to like level the bed right you know doing all those little automation things so you don't have to make sure the bed's level or anything like that or um putting an enclosure on it so that your temperature is stable so you don't have to watch the print to see if it comes loose or whatever yeah this is also exactly why like even six hundred dollars doesn't get you a thing that gets you the things right oh no 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 um i would say you like three grand is what if you wanted something that you can just like rip out of the box and put on your desk and go like three grand is what i would pay right right yeah. well you know the thing is it's the same with uh like as any cnc or a mill or something like that it's not going to come out of the box and you just type in steel and it just cuts steel <laughs> you know steel. like it doesn't yep, work yep. that way like you yeah, have to yeah, still when we know. got our when we got our new picking places and stuff, it's like they t- you have to take them out of the box and they have a big like lock on them that says you can't remove this unless Micronic shows up and removes it and, you know, calibrates your machine for you. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, the high speed mill that we purchased at work uh, two months ago. Well, I mean, we purchased a long time ago. It just showed up at work two months ago. Um, it had like it didn't come with a license file. And it had a countdown timer on it. You get 200 hours with it. And if you don't get the license file, then it just shuts down. And it just goes into limp mode. Like, you won't even do anything. And and the license file has to be provided once the bank says, yes, we're going to pay for this, you know. And they actually send the <laughs> payment. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you spend that kind of money, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's funny that that's how they handle their hardware drm kind of like thing is they'll still ship you the machine costs but there's a little tiny you know 16 character number yeah that uh you, you that just locks you that, out yeah it just locks you out yep yep okay rfo time right yeah let's get off it <laughs> so we'll, we'll speed through these since uh we're already at 50 minutes <laughs> oh my gosh we're at 50 already oh my gosh yeah. we've been side creeping a lot yeah side creeping all the time <laughs> Uh, so the Google Glass glass hole thing is coming back with the Glass Enterprise Edition 2, faster and more helpful. Now, they say more helpful like it was already helpful to begin with, but we know it wasn't. Huh. Um, so I, I, bas- I saw one person ever wearing Google Glass, and uh, I'll be honest, it actually infuriated me because like there was like four <laughs> or five of us around a, a table, and we were all... Uh, having a beer and like he would just start talking but he was talking to other freaking people or he'd be like reading his text and stuff like that and be like dude like we're all here to like hang out and have a you know have a beer together it's like if you want to do that go somewhere else yeah um i think i i saw a lot of people at maker fair when these came out back yeah. in like what 2012 2013 yeah ish I think that's about one time they came out. Um, a lot of people had them there, but that's, you know, San Francisco. So, <laughs> um, they, uh, so, so basically Google canceled the Google Glass and they basically uh, started a new division of, of Google Glass to do industri- uh, basically industrial augmented reality, which yeah. is a lot, I always thought augmented reality would be really good at. Right. Um, especially like inventory, like if you look at a part and like on the glass, it would show you the part number. Yeah. And the thing about inventory is like everything already has barcodes on it. So you can easily do computer vision and figure out what it is or where you're at in the warehouse. Yeah. 
and like say, hey, I need to go find part A, and then the Google Glass goes and just highlights the box where it's at. Right. That take that just taking the the mental load off of people reduces um, basically stress and all that other stuff. It's like why these really fancy um, auto cr- auto cruise control stuff. I'm not gonna call them autopilots because they're not autopilots. <laughs> Tesla. Um, <laughs> Do you have feelings about this? Don't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they call it autopilot, and then it, it it doesn't automatically pilot you anywhere. It just keeps you in the lane most of the time. <laughs> um, so I, I remember Macrofab, we had multiple chats about, like, the future of manufacturing and, and the idea that an operator or a solder tech could be wearing goggles, and, you know, they put a board down on the table, and it could say, like, oh, you know, this transistor gets soldered here and you need to inspect to this class and, like, it would show information about the board in their class. Yeah, I think that's where this is really going to shine at. Yeah. That's where augmented reality, that's where the money's at, is making people's lives, augmenting humans is what I always say. Yeah. You know, I could see it too, like, if you're on an assembly line for, say, Toyota or something like that and you're a guy who needs to tight tighten a bolt down to a certain torque like if if the glasses that you were wearing could be connected to your torque wrench and like it you would torque down a bolt and you know the the torque wrench would say i've reached the correct torque it would like highlight the bolt and be like this one is done but you need to go torque that one over there you know that kind of yeah and actually in it like if you were doing like the torque pattern or like a oil pan or whatever it highlights ones that you've already finished right right yeah that's a really good application for it because usually right now you paint pin them Right. That you've torqued the spec. Yeah, exactly. But if you if the glasses could do it, and then it could, you know, it could send a report to, you know, everything is done, and it was done in this amount of time, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's some serious manufacturing stuff. Um, so it's a really good idea. The only, if you watch the video, there's one section which I don't like. It's like a doctor is wearing them. It has, <laughs> like, all the information of, like, the, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel did you, about... Did you torque this patient's liver to the correct setting? Yeah. The correct <laughs> setting. yeah. I don't know how I feel about uh, your doctor visit being recorded and stored in the cloud somewhere. <laughs> also, I don't want the doctor... like I don't want it to like highlight something and the doctor is like, oh, that's what that's called. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like the doctor walks in and it like scans you and it says, yep, that's human. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, you're all right. It says you're a human. Yep. <laughs> also, I don't like I, that's a that's a nasty topic to breach. But like having all of your medical records be available for them to uh, access at any time, that's some privacy issues. You know. Yeah. On the other hand, though, that would probably make diagnosing people a lot easier. Than it's what, one a, of those a clipboard. <laughs> With, with no, the, it's one of those. Well, it's those double-edged swords where, like, I don't know because I, you know, I've had a lot of medical issues earlier this year, and like, whenever you go to a new place, you have to sign like eight forms saying that yes, you can share my information with my other doctors on this list, and then you have to go like update the list somewhere else, saying right. that you added this doctor, and it's just like, ugh, it's a lot of work. That's yeah. for sure. Um, having a like nationwide or worldwide database for like that kind of stuff would be a lot easier but then you get into other issues like who can access that database can your insurance company know your in know that in- that stuff or um, can the government know it yeah it's one thing it's like when you do like those 23 and me's like to get your dna stuff it's like oh now the police can like audit your genome and figure out if you're like related to a serial killer <laughs> what is this minority report now? I mean, that's ha- that key happened. indicators. That 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 someone got like a like a twenty three and Me DNA test and it showed up in a police report and they found like a serial killer through being related to that person. No lie, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, read the fine print on those. They yeah, <laughs> all, yeah, yeah. all eight hundred thirty eight pages. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That one that you just signed and they said okay, whatever. Yep. There's a South Park episode about that. It's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. 
You know, I haven't watched South Park in like ages. I I'm surprised that it's still on. Not that it, I, I'm saying it's bad or anything like that. It's just like it's just been on forever. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I the last I think the last South Park episode I watched was the episode where where it was on the last uh federal the last presidential election. Okay. Like I I actually watched like that with, season. Like with, with, you mean like with the one the the Trump whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, that Trump was like one. an entire season of them doing. Yeah, so I like actually watched that, that season because I thought it was really good. And then like, uh, we're going to get political on this, but bear with me. <laughs> is, Watch out! Bear with me on this one, people. Is they clearly had it set up that that season where like Hillary was supposed to win the election. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like the episode that actually aired, they had to like rewrite it so. Um, What's the what's the uh, teacher's name? Uh, Mr. Garrison. Yeah, Mr. Garrison wins. Right. Well, Mr. Garrison was Trump. I, yeah, I, Mr. Matt, Garrison Matt was Trump. The creators actually came out. Uh, if I remember right, they they said they they regretted doing all of that. Oh yeah, uh, that, that whole season. <laughs> I thought the season was great, and then that last episode was just terrible. And you could definitely tell like the script was rushed because they had to rewrite it for. And, like, the animation was really rough and stuff. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting. Like, I would have just, like, had Hillary win. Does it, did it really matter that it had to match real life? I don't think it had to matter. Yeah. I don't... It was a weird season, that's for sure. Yeah. It was different it, than all of their others. Yeah, it, it it was. Yeah. So. We're going really off the rails tonight. Oh, yeah. This is the side creep episode. This is super side creep. So. Um, hey, uh, speaking about uh, potentially getting people to steal your information, uh, I found a uh, an article <laughs> <laughs> that was on Electronics That's a Weekly. Good segue. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, it's pretty solid, right? Uh, it's the the title of this article was a uh, Kit converts Raspberry Pi into Alexa type home automation system, which like as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta look at this. This this is gonna be this is gonna be really good. And and it's it's interesting because it's a kit that's available on geek.com. And if you've been to geek.com, they got a bunch of cool stuff there. And um, they actually uh, support some YouTubers that I, I like to watch. So like, no, you know, this is no bad ill will towards geek.com, but they've they've got this kit that basically allows you to create an Alexa type thing with your Raspberry Pi, but it also has uh, some online courses that you can take to really get your feet wet with home automation and things. So, so we're not sponsored by them. No. But the deal – the funny thing is, though, it, it, I say that, though, but, like, this deal – it says ending in six hours will expire before this podcast even comes out, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's the complete Raspberry Pi Alexa A to Z bundle for – they say 94% off. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's 29 bucks. Yeah. Okay. So twenty nine bucks. I mean, it's not going to come with a pie. You gotta you gotta supply your own. But you get the you get the classes and stuff. And they they have uh, in the article I was reading that they, 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 there was a sentence in there that said um, this can be understood by anyone. Says Geek Six Shop, uh, regardless of education or training. And I'm just uh, like you know you what? don't need to be connecting your house to the Internet of Things if you like are going from scratch. You know. We should do this. Uh oh. I think I think Mac your house Fab can be can, the one that goes up. <laughs> I think MacFab can throw down thirty bucks for. I think you should do it, and oh. I should do it. Okay, okay. What um, do you think? I think this would be a good idea. I've I've got an extra pie lying around, so if you want to, if you want to, if well, if MacFab wants to get me a kit, like <laughs> let's let's take the classes and see what it has to say. Yeah, you, you know what? We're dogging on them right now. Maybe maybe it's. I a think good we thing. should do it. Okay, well, give me a kit. Yeah, and then we okay. can, we can um, talk about it. Yeah, so I don't think it'll be the next podcast, but um, we'll definitely we'll have to do it because it's only like six classes. I wonder if you can do it in a weekend. Hey, you only, you only have six hours left to get this ninety four percent off deal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so uh, I didn't I didn't look at all the contents on it. What does the kit fully come with? Um, it says it comes with. I think it's just a class that you're buying. Okay. And I th- so I, I it thought, covers. I thought it actually comes with uh, some hardware. Doesn't it come with like if... thermocouples or something like that? I don't think it does. I think it just comes with. I think it is just the classes. Huh. 
Yeah, it just says courses. I thought I read somewhere that it was actually coming with something. It's interesting that they would label it a kit if it's only online classes. Oh, it says bundle, not kit. Ah, well, okay, so the article from Electronics Weekly calls it a kit. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe that was incorrectly written. I think we should try this and just, like, see, like, how far we get and, like, because we don't build IoT, Raspberry Pi, Alexa combined things. So one of the things I've always enjoyed is when, is the idea of some dumb IoT thing that tweets out absolutely useless information. I love that. So, and actually should... you've been wanting to get into this. Um, it, what, the first, one of the first classes is like familiarizing with Python programming languages. Yeah. Parker and I were talking about it the other day. I want to, I want to, um, get some, uh, scripting stuff to handle, uh, merging of multiple text files. Um, and that is something that I am absolutely awful at and don't even know the first thing about. So, um, if, if I learned Python from it, that would be a good takeaway. Yeah. And so it's got, so right now I know we're just like gushing over it now, right? Oh yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we started off with being like, this is a piece of crap. <laughs> um, they actually have a Memorial Day, Day sale right now as well. Oh, is it 96% off now? No, it says 15% site-wide off, so I wonder if you get for free. <laughs> I doubt it combines. No, of course it doesn't. So. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, let's let's convert this. You get it for me. We'll take the classes, and then we'll come back and say if it was good or bad. Yeah, and actually, it would, it would make great content if we actually build things. Fine. I'm down. Yeah, I want to see your tweet thing that tweets random things when you, like, walk by it. I, you know, I kind of wanted to just tweet things that nobody will care about. And I, I'll create its own. In fact, you know what would be funny is to create its own Twitter handle and push really hard for it to be a very, very, very popular thing that just tweets <laughs> garbage. Like nothing at all, you know? Actually, you know what would be really funny is is to make a device that insults um uh, celebrities and it just comes up with like really unique celebrity insults <laughs> it, it, it like it just trolls twitter for like people who have lots of followers and just adds them yeah yeah it adds them and and maybe it could have a bank of like insults and it would just like create like these insults and just add them. and it's got to be like dad level <laughs> insults though yeah, stuff that wouldn't get it banned, but would also just be like, oh, insult bot, that's you again. <laughs> insult bot. <laughs> but it would have to but it but it would have to be IoT in a in a way where like if something happened, then it would insult a celebrity. You yeah, know? yeah. If the temperature changes or something. You know, something yeah. or if, every time I flush my toilet, a celebrity gets insulted. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think that might have to happen. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Okay. Well, let me All take right, this so, class and see if I can do that. Okay. Um, and so the last RFO, sorry, everyone, we're, we're way over time. And this is actual engineering. <laughs> it's a As opposed one, to the last hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it is a one-page guide to fixing radiated emissions. I think this came out on like the normal social media stuff a couple uh, months ago, but we didn't talk about. I think we had like a bunch of guests in a row or something like that, and it's basically a like rundown of what you should do if your PCB fails FCCCE testing. And I like the the way it's written. It's um, really snarky. It's very snarky. The whole like find the aggressor. Yeah, <laughs> who? What part is aggressing your your um, uh, DB level, basically? Yeah, find the aggressor <laughs> and destroy it. Yes, um, and just like stuff like right here at the at the, um, at the bottom here, uh, you followed the stupid, stupid advice of some vendor data sheet and split your design to analog and digital grounds, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that is what it says. Uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 a cool little. It's 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 nice because it's not super super dry. It's uh, mm. it's entertaining, but at the same time, it actually has good information in it. And then I, I just like at the very bottom though, it's like because like if you have to do a new spin board spin, it says consider taking your project manager drinking <laughs> <laughs> to extend nice. your your uh, hardware schedule. <laughs> yeah, get a couple more days in there. Yep. Nice. So, go check that out, people. This is it's really good. Yeah, we'll I have the link get up this guy in the, on the um, Get this guy on the podcast. Nash <laughs> Riley. Find the aggressor and get him on. Yeah. I'll try to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe he listens. You never know. Hello, Nash Riley. Would you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, if actually, if any of our listeners know him, contact him and ask if him. If you're he still wants listening. Be... Yeah, if, well, at this point, yeah. <laughs> now, they gave up a long time ago. Yep. This is the longest one we've done in a while, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. And I think we should not make it any longer. I agree. So that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. And that was the smoothest outro we've ever had. See you next time, guys. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. If your name is Nash Riley, let us know as well. You should be on our podcast. Check out our Slack channel as well. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.